I want to be sure I'm right under that fan. <laughs> Last Sunday morning when David preached in one of his illustrations, he <clears throat> talked about the significance of worship and not the importance of our attire. Even going to the extreme in that illustration, suggesting that you might see the day come when I would be before you in a t-shirt and torn jeans. This is not the beginning of that time. (laughs) This is just the fact that we wanted to be a little more comfortable this morning. Next Lord's Day, uh, we will not be with you. Uh, Actually, none of the Hummels will be here. Uh, Tuesday morning, we fly out to uh, Dallas, Texas, and uh, we will be there next Lord's Day for David's ordination to Christian ministry. So we look forward to that, and uh, I would ask that uh, next Sunday morning, uh, uh, in your worship times, you pray for David, pray for the anointing of God's Spirit uh, upon him. It is an ex- it is a especially wonderful and sacred moment when a person kneels to receive uh, the ordination of the church and uh, uh, to know that uh, uh, his home church and the church where he serves as a pastor uh, is praying for him next Lord's Day will be a very significant uh, part of feeling the power of God uh, surrounding him. Thanks for hearing that. And thanks for, for doing that. Pastor Bish will be leading you in worship next week, and uh, he will be available throughout the week for any uh, pastoral care needs that may arise. May we pray, please. <clears throat> oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. Lead us and guide us through this time of proclamation that we may connect that which is very old with that which is now. Help us, O God, to hear the compelling words of Scripture, to allow your Spirit to implant them in our minds and hearts and bring us into a fuller, richer, more wonderful relationship with you than ever we have enjoyed. I pray in and through the name of your Savior, Son, Jesus. Amen. We turn this morning to the... Old Testament book of Joshua. Some of you have been studying that with me in our Potter's House Bible study. It seems to me that chapter 4 of Joshua is a very significant and important chapter for us on this Memorial Day uh, Sunday. So we turn in chapter 4 to verses 1 through 7 and 19 to 24. Now when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from each tribe, 
and command them, saying, Take up for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priests' feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you, and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross again to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. Let this be a sign among you that when your children ask later, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall say to them, Because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th of the first month and camped at Gilgal, on the eastern edge of Jericho. Those 12 stones, which they had taken from the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. He said to the sons of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, saying, what are these stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed. And just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he had dried up before us until we had crossed, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. <clears throat> One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That's the concluding phrase of our Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States, the Republic of America. This is Memorial Day weekend, and across our homeland, unfurled flags fly in freedom's holy light. And hymns and songs will fill the breeze with music exalting God and memorializing our war dead in whose debt we stand forever. Americans are past due in remembering God whose blessings and bounty cover their lives. And they are past due in remembering the brave troops who fought to free people they did not know from demonic forces. Don't forget to remember, church. Don't forget to remember your indebtedness for this land you inhabit and the liberties you enjoy. America's heritage hinges on the promises and the expectations of God. God's promises are full of power 
and possibilities. But as with all promises, whether they are made by God Almighty or they are made by you and me, promises carry expectations. Expectations are inherent in the promises that we make. God expects us to remember what he has done for our nation. God expects us to remember what he has done for you and me personally. This admonition appears frequently on the pages of the Old Testament, but is also referenced in the New. Remember all the way the Lord your God has led you. Remember all the way the Lord your God has led you. When challenged by elements and enemies, enemies of body, mind, and spirit, remember what God has already done for you. One of the biggest disappointments that has occurred across five decades of ministry for me is to see people who are on the rolls of churches seemingly forget what God had done in prior days. They get to a crisis. They get to a, to a point where they have to face a, 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 a devastating illness or a death, and it's as if God had never, ever shown himself to them. And they are without hope and they're floundering. Not so. Remember all the way the Lord your God has led you. When you have a significant experience with God, you ought to write that down. You ought to keep a journal. And put in that journal the date and what occurred so that you have a record for yourself of what God has done. And you can go back across those pages and you can say, yes, well, God was here and he was here and he was here and he was here and I'm not going to be afraid of the now. And when you are no longer able to tell your family members what God has done, they will be left with your journal and they will see the holy history which belongs to them as a family, we are reminded in Scripture to not forget the amazing things that God has done for us. And I take you now to one of the Psalms that points that out directly and very strongly for us. It's Psalm 103. Look at verses 2 to 6 of this Psalm. Bless the Lord. O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments 
for all who are oppressed. Don't forget to remember. Don't forget to remember. You see, it's by history and heritage that we move into tomorrow. It is by history and heritage that we move into tomorrow. Back in the 13th and 14th chapters of Numbers is that story of how Moses sent spies to check out the land of Canaan to determine through the report they would bring back whether or not Israel could successfully invade the land of Canaan, whether it was going to be theirs. Now, you need to understand that five centuries before Moses sent the spies to the land of Canaan, God said to the old man Abraham, I am going to give you a land for your descendants. And they will be as many as the grains of sand on the seashore. Five centuries before Moses sent the spies. So the spies go out into the land of Canaan. Caleb and Joshua are two of the 12. They bring back a report and they start talking about the, the wonders of the land and the power of the people. And 10 of the spies say to Moses, there is no way, there is no way we can be victorious over the people called Canaanites. Caleb and Joshua gave a minority report. They said, absolutely, we can do it. The Lord our God is with us. We can do this. The majority vote won the day. And as a result of the failure to move by faith on what God had planted in the mind and heart of Caleb and Joshua, listen to this, it was another four decades, another 40 years until Israel would see what God had promised her. Imagine it, 40 years of waiting Joshua was blessed to be alive. In fact, he was the successor to Moses. And because of his faith, God used him to lead Israel across the River Jordan into promised land. There was a people who forgot to remember. The people who said, no, we can't cross the Jordan. We can't take the land of Canaan, were the same people whose ancestors had taken on the Egyptian army, fled from the presence of Pharaoh. God took them through the parted Red Sea waters and brought them to freedom. What were they afraid of? God had already demonstrated his faithfulness to them. But those 10, 
had the majority voice and they convinced the people to wait. And so for 40 more years, they waited to, cr to cross into promised land. Their past should have provided identity and direction for them. They didn't allow it to. They were God's people. He had shown himself, but they turned away from him. The promise to Abraham was delayed. God wanted his people to camp in Canaan. But they prevented it themselves. He who had delivered Israel before could do it again. The Bible says that our God, who is the same God of Joshua and Caleb and the Israelites of Moses, he is the same God we worship today. That God, the Bible says, is the same. He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that means? That means that the marvelous, miraculous things which God has done in the past are still available to us today. But we have forgotten to remember we have forgotten to remember that he is the God of deliverance. He is the God who brings his people out of darkness into light. He is the God who brings his people out of captivity into liberty. Deliver is a great word. We see it in Scripture. You use it in one of the most precious prayers that you know, the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from evil. And in that context of the ancient language, it means to set free, Lord, set us free from evil. There was a, a dear soul in my home church who when she heard of, of something that was, was very concerning or, or something that could raise uh, the people's uh, anxiety, she would, she would always say, oh, deliver me. Oh, deliver me. Set us free. Bring us out from that. It means to hand over and, and give to another. Deliver us from Pharaoh's army. Lord, they're pursuing us, and he did. He parted the Red Sea. Deliver us from the Philistines, and he sent David in there, and, and David brought down the giant Goliath. He did it in Jesus' triumph over sin and death, and that's written about so magnificently in the letter of Paul to the Christians in Colossae. I want you to hear what what Paul said about the deliverance that Christ brought. In chapter 1 of Colossians, it's verses 13 and 14, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In chapter 2, it's verse 15, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, 
he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. That is through Jesus. <clears throat> when Israel crossed the Jordan River, <clears throat> do you know how many people crossed? It was harvest time. And in harvest time, the Jordan River floods. It was far beyond its banks. God stopped the water 30 miles upstream. Why so far away? Because a wide swath was needed. A nation not a group of people, a nation was crossing. Do you know how many people crossed? Two million people crossed. The Bible says they all crossed. That means those that, that were, were praising God and acknowledging Joshua's leadership and those that were the grumblers and the complainers, they took them with them. They all crossed, the Bible says. Two million people crossed the Jordan. Now think of this, on dry riverbed at flood time. No mud, no muck, no mud on their sandals or on their ropes. They crossed on dry riverbed. At flood time. That was very impressive. It was so impressive that the Canaanites, whose land they were going to take, who had been watching every move and knew Israel's history of how God had already parted water for uh, that nation decades before, Here's what the Bible says the Canaanites did. It's 5.1, Joshua 5.1. Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed that their hearts melted. Their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. Twelve tribes made it through. Joshua says, we're going back to the river and we're getting twelve stones. We're getting 12 stones. Those stones are going to be a monumental testimony for what God did. We're going to remember this. And we're going to be sure that those who come after us remember what God has done. You see, Israel 
was presented as God's peculiar people. And they were to have a posterity that would be high with sacred interests. We have a problem today because every every monument that you see is the symbol of a movement. It is the sign of of someone or, or, or thousands of troops having taken action. Monuments symbolize movements. The key word for the people of God in Joshua's day and the key word for people of God in your day is go. Two letters one of the biggest and most powerful words in all of Scripture. Go! But as you look deeply into the history of people of God, the church has become a monument. and has ceased to be a movement. Churches are not monuments. We are movements. That's what we see across this history that was written by Joshua. You see, the church and and Israel, as we're looking at her back at, at this point in time, was a courier of the covenant of God with his people. Couriers of covenant that were displayed in the, in the land he presented. Now pay close attention. Remember I said five centuries before, God said to the old man Abram, you're going to get this land. 500 years, finally, finally, by Joshua's faith and saying to the people, we can do this, God is with us, and the people rising up after another 40-year wait said, let's do it. Let's go. They did it. Now, this land, this land that they were going into, was the land that God had prepared for them. Okay, now pay close attention. Here are places located in this land that they finally took possession of. See if you recognize these names. Bethlehem was there. 
So was Jerusalem. Golgotha was there. And in that land, uh, the Savior's empty tomb. Folks, monuments are erected because movements occurred. Monuments are erected because movements occurred. Marble and granite memorials should remind our nation what the movement to world peace has cost. Monuments should remind us of troops who have lost limbs, some of them their very lives, some of them their psychological health and emotional stability. Monuments are always about movements, about something significant and great and mighty that has occurred. Do you know that across our nation we have 129 national monuments? 129 national monuments in the United States of America. Then you add to those the state monuments and the monuments that we find in, in cities and towns and hills and hollers. I remember looking often at a, a monument to men who went into the armed services from the little village my dad grew up in, a little town called Maitland, Pennsylvania. I don't think there's still 500 people there. And that monument sat not too far away from, from Pappy Hummel's house. And from time to time, I would walk over and I would look at that. And there was a list uh, encased in a, in a stone monument of all the, all the men. I remember the sign. It said, our boys who served. And from that little village was a list of all the men who had, had been in the military. Some of them never came home. My dad's name was there. My uncle's names were there. Monuments are always about movements, about someone having done something at a critical time for the rest of us. What do they mean to you? There is a great linkage, a great connection here between Joshua 4 and our standing on the threshold of another memorial holiday. I want you to hear again these words from Joshua 4, verses 20 to 24. Those 12 stones which they had taken from the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. He said to the sons of Israel, 
when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what are these stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. A monumental testimony to who God is and what he has done. Monumental testimony surrounds us and is yet within us to be raised up for all to see. Our God is the same who led Israel through the Red Sea and across the Jordan River. He's the same God you worship right now in this sanctuary, and he will be the same tomorrow and forever. His is a monumental testimony and it is yours, church, to raise up. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, we stand amazed by who you are and all that you have done, all the way that you have led your people brought them safely to new lands, blessed and and prospered them. Oh God, we know that we are the benefactors of of so many who, who came before us. And we thank you for every contribution which has made us who we are as a nation and who we are as a people. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his sending the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and counsel us in your eternal truth. And we thank you for those who believed so much in life and in liberty and in faith that they laid down their lives for their friends. Thank you, O God, as we stand on the threshold of our Memorial Day for the monumental testimony of your word and the monumental testimony of the life you have created for us to live and to enjoy, to protect and to offer In Jesus' name, amen.